All right, y'all, welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Show. This is episode 15, and we got a special guest. Um, known him a while, Charlotte native, Marcus Polite. How are you doing? I'm well. Appreciate you having me. Of course. Glad to have you. So we've known each other a while. My dad was telling me that he worked with both your parents at the bank. Yeah. Um, so I guess is that how we met and through the Y? Or? It was through the Y, and, and on my way over here, I was trying to recall... You know, first of all, your dad, he was like the unofficial CEO slash mayor of the Y. It was like you could not talk to anybody around there <laughs> without knowing him. And I love that guy. And I didn't realize how much like his connections intersected with my inner circle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like when I met your dad um, through a committee, which both of us were serving. It was Room in the Inn. Room yeah. in the Inn, Christian Emphasis. And he said... Uh, Marcus, polite, right? And he's got that smile, that 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 unique Lance smile. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you know him, you know it. <laughs> you know it, you know it, you just know it. And he said, polite? And I said, yeah. He said, I used to work with your father. And I'm just in awe. I'm like, so there really is nobody you do not know. We. And I told my dad I got re reconnected with him. And he's like, yeah, I remember Land. Man, he was such a cool guy. And I'm like, he's still the same. Just still yeah, the same he is. Land. Cool dude. He is. Um. Yeah, we've been in other countries. Um, anywhere we've been, he's found a connection with whoever he meets. Yeah, somehow. Yeah, first time I came to y'all's house for one of his um, events that he was putting on, and of course, you know, you, him and your mom, Mama Height. Yeah, giving Mama me Bear. Mama Bear, <laughs> lover, giving me a tour of the house. And I promise you, man, I thought they were really advertising for me to stay there. <laughs> I was trying to pick out my room. I was like, man, this is nice. I like the layout. This is perfect. <laughs> they have um, housed some people like over the years. Mm. Um, so yeah. that might not have been out it of the might not have been out of the wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> it might not it, have yeah. Been. I would have left and Lynn would have been like, where are you going? I said, I guess I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's had a few people stay. Um, so, yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, yeah. kind-hearted um, people, man. They really are. Yeah, and that was something for me that I guess I took for granted mm -hmm. growing up. Well, as a kid, I didn't. I loved it. It was all about it. But then as I grew older and started drifting, it was a hardened relationship. Um I reached out because I feel like I had to mm. stop by because I felt like I had to. Right. Um, and until this last year, I've had almost a year um, since everything kind of rebuilding that relationship. Yeah. And we just moved into this new house. You're the first one in the recording room. I got a exclusive look at MTV Cribs, my people. This <laughs> is nice. <laughs> I feel like I have to set a standard now. I was telling him this is a nice, these are nice digs, and um, and I'm the first person to be in there, the podcast room. And I'm like, oh, no pressure on me by <laughs> any means. You know, this is going to be an etched in history. Remember that guy we had it that first time? Yeah. <laughs> awful <laughs> no nobody will say that we're we're happy to have you i appreciate it again this is this is awesome but yeah it was mama mama bear today she was like it's sad seeing y'all leave yeah um like every other time i've moved it's been a normal move or i've been in a rehab or a psych ward and they've had to move me out yeah. or something yeah. um but this time she was like i'm gonna miss y'all like coming home and seeing 
y'all there and but I know it's you know y'all need to move out move on do your thing yeah. um but this time I was like I mean I will miss you yeah like for the yeah. first time like moving out kind yeah. of so it's been good living there I didn't want to but then reconnected with KC and he moved in and we've been there for eight nine months and yeah. it's been healthy and good growing closer and re um figuring out those relationships that I had hardened with them. Yeah. And I think it's normal, you know, you know, you take for granted when you're young, right? You're young, you're, you think you got the world figured out as a teenager. And I would say even like in college years, cause I felt that way as well to a certain extent. And only when, you know, life experience and getting older, things of that sort, do you really value and appreciate, you know, that family concept. You know what I mean? Because so many people are without that. But I think it is still normal to have that. And it's good that you have good people such as your parents who are still inviting. And that will never leave. You, as you see that I mean, now. It's instilled in me. It, exactly. And it's funny how as you get older, and, and I'm speaking as a parent myself, where now I can see that there's nothing that your child will do that will make them I guess any lesser in your eyes or just unloving, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've heard it's until you have a kid, you don't know what love really is. Or this, yeah, I, and I was a different feeling. It's or, a, it's different because they're part of you, and you know, be it natural or even adoptive, you know that love that is being shared, um, and in a lot of aspects, and just raising them. It's work. There are times you, you can't wait to put them in the bed and just be done with it. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's all part of the the journey, you know what I mean? You know, we all have journeys, we all have experiences. But like you said, you God allowed you to go out and experience what you had to experience, all for His purpose. What that purpose was, you had no idea. We all, we none of us knew. But He also brought you back, and with open arms, He brought you back. But then also your parents are welcoming you, and you're here for such a time as this. Now you have this awesome platform to kind of help share that love as well. So it was great. Yeah, definitely. And Land's face was the first thing I saw when I woke up <laughs> off life support. <laughs> he was on my left, I think, and I was yeah. like, I don't remember being with you last time when I was alive. <laughs> what was that experience like? Um, I mean, lead it was, prior to that, whatever you recall. It was, it was a normal work day, normal day. Um, I hadn't slept well mm. like that week. But it was a normal work day. Yeah. Um, I was with my normal partner. Um, it was a Friday. Uh, summer, well, April, so spring, what perfect weather. Yeah. Um, left work and went to go play golf by myself. I got paired up with three older guys. Um, just, I mean, I was out just having fun playing golf with three older guys. Right. Um, and... Hadn't seen a friend in a while, um, so went, saw him, reconnected, nothing out of the norm, and picked up a bag of Coke, mm-hmm. and um, it was, for me, it was never just one little line or bump, it was, I'm going to go until I fall asleep or whatever, so until mm-hmm. the next morning, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. wide awake partying, mm-hmm. and I remember sitting on a porch like on steps and it being sunlight and my heart just racing real fast, which I knew it had happened before, but 
I mean, it was different this time and I, I guess blacked out, don't remember. And, um, I was told a fire truck or I waved down a fire truck that was passing by Mm. on their way back to the station. And apparently the fire truck drove me to the ER when I got to the ER and I don't have any cell phone wallet, anything. I'm a John Doe or on Mm. the ninth floor epsilon nine yeah um so they didn't know who i was um and to me this is a god thing Mm. one of my good friends his sister was my nurse when i arrived on the ninth floor Mm. um at atrium and she recognized my tattoos and face and was able um to get in contact with my family and um let them know what had happened and um yeah so yeah that's prior um mom was in charlotte dad and sister were at the beach Mm. um as i mentioned uh, in an earlier episode i had written a letter yeah kind of perspective um of her cell phone and the calls she got yeah and i gave that to her like a week or two prior um, to this incident uh, of me ODing and dying, um, but I wrote it in February mm. um, around this time last year and never thought that would come true. I was doing so well because I had just um, gotten out of jail, um, taken a plea deal uh, for an incident that happened down there right after I'd gotten out of the ranch. Yeah. Um, that was my extended stay down there, which was humbling, and I really had to learn acceptance, something that I had learned while at the ranch but really had to put it into practice Mm -hmm. and begin to uh, practice and learn what acceptance was what did you learn about it it's out of my hands yeah like and i've that was to me that was the first i didn't think i would ever die od Mm. i'd been to jail a couple times before but that was the one like okay that's my like these are some serious this is some serious stuff yeah like I'm in a yeah. different state. Yeah. Can't bail out. Um, I'm sitting there. Car got impounded. That's just racking up money. Um, in a state where I don't know anyone. Yeah. So I'm going inside kind of not knowing anybody. Mm-hmm. Luckily, thanks to land, I have good sense of humor spirit. So mm-hmm. um that's never been a problem for me with connecting with people no matter where. Yeah, no, um, there's, there's no question. You are your father's son <laughs> for sure, and that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a is. rare quality. Um, but while I was in there, I met a lot of people who were struggling. Obviously, we were all in a place that no one wants to be. Yeah. Um, one guy, he was a CO of the jail that we are were inside of. He used to be a CO there. Addiction took him down a different okay. path. Um. You name it, people were in there. Sure. But just because they were charged with that did not define them. Those were some humble men and some men who had done some horrible things yeah. or alleged yeah. were s- sitting me down on their bed sharing the gospel with me. Yeah. Like, so to me, I can go anywhere and, you know, I'm going to get, I'm not going to define you by your looks, appearance, or what yeah. someone else has said. I'm going to judge you from our interaction. And I think that is a very valuable perspective, honestly, because 
in my you know experience you know interacting with people who really struggle with you know be it addictions or just certain or have done things that are just outside of their behavior and outside of their characters or whatnot it's always encouraging to know that listen first of all we all struggle with something everybody does right everybody everybody does and that doesn't mean that that is a definition of who you are or that should just be your label for life right so many people are quick to just think about that and just say well i might as well just continue down this path because i've already been labeled this or well, i did yeah and you came out of it though by the grace, by of, the god grace of god and the family and support and right. people like you who i know who have reached out and continued to pray encouragement mm -hmm. when I didn't want to hear it, you know, yeah. and because of the community, you mm -hmm. know, and God's grace, I'm here. Yeah. And <laughs> that we, that we all are. And, um, I mean, it just, it's really representative of his hand on your life. You know, again, I can't emphasize it enough. You know, you're here for such a time as this and every journey that, we are all on it's different we all have to go through certain setbacks they're all setbacks they're all shortcomings to a certain degree and we all have our bad days we have some good days but it's all still part of the journey and when you said that word acceptance i think in my mind and you know maybe it was something differently to you but in my mind i was thinking how so many of us it's hard for us to look at ourselves in the mirror and accept what those shortcomings are what we've done those mistakes that we've made right and only when we get to get to that place of accepting look i've i did this i'm owning it i'm taking accountability for it how can i move on with this you know and having that courage to share your story share what those things were i think that is something that is extremely rare but is extremely needed because to your point you do need a community yeah um with all the places I've been like I've always been around people so for me being alone that's been hard but it's been good over the last year um eight months to practice being alone because I've technically been I would say institutionalized mm -hmm. since 2016 in some way not yeah. a full you know seven six years whatever um but I've always been around people and it's always been hard being alone and in, in my thoughts and um but it's something that I had to practice and it started when I was kind of in jail um in Tennessee with going back to the acceptance because I was like, All right, you know, it can go one of two ways. I have to accept and trust God. And like I was just learning about this not even two days ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, and um I was thankfully surrounded by good people um and the family was very good about calling and staying in touch um because i couldn't have done it without them um but community is huge for me like when i was in the rehabs some of them i wasn't getting much out from what i was hearing but it was more of what i was being able to do with the other people clients there you know talking with them or pouring into them or vice versa where i learned a lot more um the community in that aspect helped me grow tremendously mm -hmm. um and just remembering reminding people and like you said this platform um 
your past doesn't define you. It's, mm-hmm. you know, that dash in the middle you got from the day you're born to the day you die. It's not just one event that mm-hmm. defines you. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's something that I always live. You know, I define myself as all the events, negative events. And my dad told me that, uh, last year, um, after, um, everything happened and I kind of sat on it for a bit and was like, he's right. I mean, I'm only 30. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of good years in those 30, but I've had some bad ones too, but sure. All of them make up me and my 30 years. And I still have a lot more to give, I hope. And if not, you know, I'm going to give my most until that time because mm-hmm. people change, people can make a difference. It's not just one event. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell our listeners who Marcus is, um, real quick. Like, well, yeah, like you said, uh, Charlotte native <laughs> unicorn, basically. That's what I've heard. Yeah, there's not many of us <laughs> still around. Um, but yeah, just grew up here, uh, got started uh, primarily, I guess my circle started really expanding, working from the Y, hence meeting your dad, your yep. mom, and you know, your awesome family. And uh, from there, I was able to I had the I was blessed to be able to go down to Florida for a period of time to um help manage a branch and then that brought me back up here where I full circle or not even full circle just completely went the opposite direction and became a cop. Yeah. <laughs> it's like wait a minute, you were working for a nonprofit and then next you know you become a cop and it's like yeah. And so I did that for geez, not for maybe four and a half years, almost five years or so before working um, for a bank now doing like anti-money laundering, things of that sort. So, um, I mean, I'm, I can inundate you with pointless <laughs> information about sports, movies. Maybe that would have to be another <laughs> segment or something, yeah. but yeah, um, I, it, it could, it could get pretty uh, monotonous with that. But so that's the things that I just enjoy doing um, outside of what I do now. And, you know, as I've alluded to earlier, um, dad, two children, love them, but no more for me. No more. <laughs> love them, but your parents will attest to this. And I'm I sure mean, Casey land- will attest to you. It's work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is work. I was work. Land, yeah. land had two and he stopped it too. So I guess two's the number. Two's the number. I'm <laughs> one of three. So I guess there was, uh, <laughs> there was something else that they were going for extra credit, I guess. Extra <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's all good. But yeah, so that's pretty much it in a nutshell. And, you know, going back to, I guess, the experience and just dealing with, you know, people that I would or interact and engage with people who were struggling with mental health and, by no means do I think that I know a lot more about it, that space because there's so much more that is untapped, and I believe. But I, I'm appreciative of how much awareness is being brought about it now. It know, needs to be. It, 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 highly, highly. And, you know, knowing how to listen to people and just hearing their stories. For me, I, I, I do enjoy listening to people and sharing their stories and, um, and sometimes just you know, get, lending that ear um, can go a long ways for them. You just never know what people are going through. And, you know, sometimes we would have to take it a step further and be put on a different hat as a as a cop and be an advisor of some sort. And I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would be put in that position. But it's amazing how, for me, it just 
and I'm not trying to sound a little pompous, but it it just came a little more naturally. And as I, like you said, you go through a lot of reps and you just understand this is something that somebody's dealing with, you know, schizophrenia or bipolar and just the levels and the degrees and, and that it's just, how do they cope with that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, cause there was a lot of cops I dealt with that I didn't have a pleasant experience with. Yeah. But there was a few who yeah stuck out to me and yeah made a big difference. Mm-hmm. And one of them, he even another time I was in jail, he even called me out and asked why I was back in there as I promised I wouldn't be. Right. And yeah. um, but just those experiences, like interacting with cops, if I'm driving or doing, I'm like, I don't want to. I don't. I don't need a speeding <laughs> ticket. I don't. Ain't nobody you know, got time for that, man. Exactly. I'm, I'm the same way now, exactly. man. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I, I can't. <laughs> Um, but I feel like a lot of people have that stigma. Um, it's no one, I mean, people like the cops or they don't, I feel like, um, is the stigma that I've, you know, from just new social media and with what's going on in the world. Yeah. No question. And it, it, then that's the, that's also the acceptance of it. Right. It's accepting the fact that me being a cop, understand that that stigma does exist. And people's experiences, like you said, you know, you, whether it's a good experience, cause I've had a bad experience as well prior to me being a cop and, you know, I've, I've had bad experiences, but then, you know, there were pleasant ones where if I've gotten pulled over, I got mercy. We were talking, you know, just chit chatting or whatever, but either, either way for me, both of them, I'll never forget because why that stigma does exist. The, st- the negative stigma and the positive is like when somebody, when a cop is, is a, is a positive interaction um, that comes from that, it never leaves you. And yeah, you do have both sides of the coin and you know, you just have, we, when I was part of the, uh, the department, I never allowed that to alter or deter me from trying to help. You know what I mean? Because you could you could get jaded so easily and get cynical, but that's not really helpful. And that's the approach that I tried to take on. Yeah, because um, the cop, like the last cop, I was having an anxiety attack and was in the back of the cop car after they detained me and um, put me in the back of the cop car. And I wanted to kick my way out because mm-hmm. I, at that point, was, is this real life? It's like I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Um, and there was a lady who was listening. Um, she, her house was right there and she had come out on the porch prior when I was raising cane and everything. Yeah. Um, and she was the first one that started talking to me and calming me down. And then the cops, um, the first cop on the scene came and he was the one who, um, put me in the back and rolled down the windows and I was like, don't leave me please. And he yeah. stayed by my side at that window talking until the other um, yeah. cops got there. And to me, that just meant so much because I didn't really, I couldn't tell what was real and what was not at that point. Um, yeah. Something had snapped in my mind and it could have gone a lot differently with the situation that um, took place that day. I, you know, you're yeah. a cop, so you know, like it could have gone multiple ways. It, it could, and you know, that's the that's the thing. It's it is a scary time, even just so much for you know, just getting pulled over. That's that's scary, 
And and I'm gonna be honest, and this is by no means a scapegoat for what we've seen, you know, for years and even recently. No, there's no excuse for it. Um, but that cop is scared too, and it's and that's why I always tell you know family or friends or whoever you know because they'll still ask me like, so what do I do with with this? I'm like, listen, do your best to just comply at, until there if. Something goes awry, complain later. Comply first, complain later. Um, you know, just get home to your family because I guarantee you that cops trying to get home to their family as well. Don't give them a reason to. Um, and again, you know, like I said, that doesn't mean that every cop is out there doing the right thing. Uh, but there, are, like you said, and I do believe, you know, you still have ones who are doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And definitely, you know, just keeping that in the back of your mind. And um, you know, those experiences working for the department, it's just. It, I was appreciative of it because it allowed me to come out of my bubble in a sense and be a little bit more versed in interacting with people, not just with different backgrounds, but, you know, cultures. Things you see it all, I you bet. You see it all. <laughs> you see it all. Some funny stuff that I never thought was humanly possible. <laughs> I'm going to be real. Uh, and then there, there are things that, you know, I've witnessed that it's like, wow, you know, these, these people are really going through it or this child really is going through it, you know, certain things. So, um, but I, I'm appreciative of it because it gives me that training. I want to say, uh, on just listening to people. I mean, that's, that's probably the best tra- life training kind of, cause you're out in life every day mm-hmm. dealing with other people's life issues Definitely. in your peer mediator. On my, I mean, yeah. you're, you don't want to take it to the next level. So your first, I would assume is, Let's talk it out. Yeah. Find a reasonable solution and yeah. see if we can part ways. And you yeah, know, no one, like you said, you everyone wants to go home at the end of the day to see mm-hmm. their, or at least the police officers, not all people True. you come yeah, in contact with. But right. right for the most part, yeah. To your point, you do have those select few that you know they're they're looking for trouble, and it is what it is at that point, I guess. Um, but no, yeah, you li- valuable life lessons and. Another thing that it brought awareness to me was just knowing how to stay in contact with people and knowing how to adjust and navigate that life of being a cop and then how to get back to being Marcus when I'm not officer polite, which is still funny to say. Officer polite, really? That is good. <laughs> it's the funniest thing, and I that and is... I get and I still get and people still get a kick out of it, man. It's I like, never thought about that until you oh, just yeah. said it. Yeah, like when I go through the academy and I get that badge, and I'm like, oh, what the hell, officer polite? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, and it stuck with me, and I and I owned it. That's the thing, man. I I, I got you are polite though. I try, so I try it to fit, be. It's fitting. Yeah, it's fitting. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know that would be honestly that would be a conversational piece, man. Here I am interact with somebody who's going belligerent and they say, you know, what's your name, man? And they're like, officer polite. And they would just say, and it would just lighten the it, mood. That's what I'm, <laughs> it would just lighten the mood. So, um, that would have with me is, yeah, like, it really? would have stuck with me. I would have, yeah. I would remember you. Oh, definitely, man. hundred <laughs> percent. And, you know, and that was fun. And then I had to really compartmentalize, you know, things that, and, be intentional about not bringing it home. You know what I mean? Because that's you, hard, very hard. And it was a struggle because it's like you, you're there 10 plus hours a day, 10 plus, man, depending on what's going on, you could be there, 
whenever. And when it's not rice, clocking them right out. It's if you have insulin, no. you're gonna have to stay until that. Yeah, I when when the, not the riots most recently, but the ones back in I want to say 16 or whatever, I had already worked 10, 11 hour shift, and it was go time. I didn't I didn't get off until like the next morning, like seven or eight o'clock, and then have to get a few hours of sleep and go right back out and do it. So and and you're getting a few hours of sleep. And then having to go back out mm-hmm. into hostile situations, mm-hmm. making split second decisions on just a little bit of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very difficult to manage that. And that experience or those experiences um, really helped me grow as a person in a sense that prior to me being a cop, it was very hard for me to you know I could interact with the best of them but then knowing how to just stay in touch with people it was very difficult and how that helped me transition into you know being intentional about you know just either shooting a text or calling somebody or you know because everybody responds differently and just knowing how to deal with different people differently you can't deal with this person the same way as you do with this person everyone's had life thrown at them differently so the way you react is going to be different than everyone because yep when things happen and how you react that's you know you're building your brain's right memory right on that so everyone's going to react differently right and i would have to you know follow up on cases that you know we would work from time to time and depending on the nature of it um you know i would stay in touch with you know people it's like, hey, I know we didn't have the the best experience. You know, how's this going? Depending on if they're a victim, or even if, um, the, if they if I had to take them, you know, to jail because they had an outstanding warrant of some sort, right? It's like, look, at the end of the day, you're still a person to me. You're still a person, and a lot of them, you still got a family. You still have you're, you're still human to me. And so, if I gotta just for the sake of work, if I gotta close out a case, I'm not gonna just try to close it out. At least for me, you know, I wanted to try to learn your story, you know, and that helped push me into a different space of talk to people again, you know, being a dead horse, I guess you just never know what people are going through, you know? And I know the mantra of, and I just love what you're doing here is the recurring theme that I've hear that I've keep hearing. It's okay to not be okay. Right. Accepting that you're not okay. And showing, giving people that, that vulnerability, will in turn allow them to be vulnerable with you. And it just, you know, if they need healing in some aspects, that will then get the ball rolling in that direction. A hundred percent. Because that's another thing I learned, kind of vulnerability. Something I did not want to show. Yeah. And did not really show it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why I had so many black eyes growing up. You know, the last 10 years, um, my mom, she would, they would joke and, I don't know if they'd joke, but mm. they'd be like, is that a new one or the same one? Because <laughs> it was just, I was always fighting. Right. Um, and it, I mean, that just wasn't the life, you know, yeah. how I was living. And um, going back, you know, last year and just learning, I had to retrain kind of a healthy way of living because I hadn't been living healthy mm. um, and listening to my body and mm. advice from others and yeah allowing my mom and dad to pour into my life and those who are close to me and not being resistant and right. letting pride get in the way. 
right something that i'd always kind of done i was like well when i did it my way i'm looking at prison time and died so let's try it a different way <laughs> yeah i would say that will, yeah that'll <laughs> uh that'll do it <laughs> yeah and you know when you said you know always fighting i'm sitting here thinking like what are some ways that could channel that because there's something that's in there it's like maybe we could just see you on pay-per-view you know, fighting Canelo Alvarez or something, you know, <laughs> it's like, I don't hey, try I don't to fight anymore. I'm not trying to You're fight not, anymore. Yeah, you could channel that and become uh, the next heavyweight, <laughs> light heavyweight champion if you wanted to, man. Hey, I'll be in your corner. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll stick with the podcast You stay with the podcast? <laughs> there you go, right? Your journey. <laughs> my, yeah, passion, something I can be vulnerable right. about. Because um, I didn't like being vulnerable, but when I had lost everything, I, mm-hmm. looking at prison time and died, I mean, why not be vulnerable? Yeah. I mean, it's already out there. People already know. True. So why yeah. not set my pride to the side? And I've seen so much hurt. I've mm-hmm. struggled. I've had hurt. I've seen mm-hmm. it. I've dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Why not share my experiences and the experiences I've had along the way and bring guests on to allow others to hear, you know, someone else's story struggles. Cause like you said at the beginning, we're all struggling. Mm-hmm. And if you're not struggling, you might be tomorrow or yeah. you did yesterday. Absolutely. Everybody's got a story. <laughs> and we all need to hear mm-hmm. like, cause as we said, community's big. Mm-hmm. That's community's what's kind of gotten me through everything. Cause I've always been around people. Yeah. I like being around people. And so having my alone quiet time has been hard, but it's something I've gotten better at. Mm-hmm. Um, but just using this as a platform, um, Mm-hmm. and allowing others to know you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah, it, it really is. And yeah, I, I mean, I applaud you and, and Casey and I mean, what you guys are doing, you just never know where God's going to take this. I mean, I really see this, this taking off to something bigger because, you know, that's been what we said earlier, bringing more awareness. We're seeing that with professional athletes. Um, you know, that article I sent you about the discovery place about the mental health thing. I We're mean, going to check it out. You're so going to check it out? See, I'm, I'm not doing the, um, there's some exhibit that uh-huh. um, puts you in um, psychosis. Oh, geez. And they, it's recommended if you've been in psychosis, don't do it. Okay. So, All I, right. Yeah. If anyone goes, I want to hear your experience because I'm not doing that <laughs> exhibit, but yeah. we're definitely going to check out. What is it if, for the listeners? It's, um, I don't have it in front of me, but it just, it's uh it's a mental health i guess the best word to explain it exhibit and it's new at the discovery place and for the charlatans <laughs> such as you and me yeah we know about the discovery place um so uh, check it out and you know going all along with that it's as we're starting to see it happen more and more with professional athletes taking ownership of it and being vulnerable like you said dropping the pride you know it says in the in the Bible, pride goes before destruction, right? It's like, yeah, if I don't drop my pride, there's no telling where this is going to lead. So I have to drop it to share that message because you just don't know what people are going through who may need that. You know what I mean? So, um, and I, I honestly believe that this is what you guys are doing. It's, it's, it's just going to take off even more, honestly. Well, thank man. you. Nah, real talk, man. Thank you. That means a lot. Cause, I mean, that's what I, we want Yeah. to use this as, um, as big as it gets or, you know, one yeah. person or a million people here. Yeah. Um, someone's going to hear something out yeah. of every episode that they can apply to their lives and um, some that they might be going through, know mm-hmm. someone who's going through something. Um, 
was like, we, you know, we're all struggling and I'm here just to use my story and bring guests on to share their stories. Um, and that's yeah. just what it's about. You know, community. It is big, big time. Yep. Um, so as a police officer, what's one kind of experience that sticks out that <laughs> with you for life, you know, funny or scared, whatever. Yeah. Kinda. Uh, you know, a lot of it, a lot, a lot of things were, were funny. Um, and not at the expense of somebody's uh, best by any means, but you know, just just random random things, man. Um, it's really hard to pinpoint one because at at this moment, there's like a million of that are just racing through <laughs> my mind that I'm just like that make for interesting dinner conversation. But um, you know, one that was that really took me by surprise by, and I think it would take anybody by surprise. Um, I was working third shift and I was probably just by this time I'm like three years on now. So third shift, you know, nothing good ever happens after midnight. Right. And Lance said that growing up and I said, okay. And I'm, <laughs> right. I, I'll agree with well, him. We, we all did that. We all had college. So it's like midnight, <laughs> please. I'm just starting to get dressed at midnight. <laughs> exactly. So nah, I get it, bro. It's hey, we, our parents told us we're like, yeah, all right. They were right. <laughs> yeah, they were right. Because <laughs> I would tell my kids the same. Nothing good ever happens after midnight. So this was one of those cases. And as the call came out, there was, um, I want to say, there was one of those bars that were still open until like maybe 1 a.m., 2, 2 a.m., which what bar is it, I guess. But um, there was a somebody reporting a guy who was just outside of the window. So it was a, you could see from the windows and it's winter time and this guy has his shirt off from what the call is coming in he has his shirt off and he's just in shorts and one shoe i'm like okay and i'm remembering the details vividly so i get there and i'm you know as they train it's like you don't know what's going on because one of the call one of the details that he appears to have a weapon on him but i can't see that would happen often. So it's like, you just don't know. So you let's can't just, tell. You can't tell. So we're, you know, before I get there, I'm, you know, waiting for um, backup. So me and another person, we get there. And as soon as I get out of the car, he's fisted to, I mean, he fits the description to a T. And he comes up and he's just rapidly just talking. And I'm just, and I could tell he was on something. I could just see it. He was on something. What mm -hmm. it was, I have no idea. Um, he starts some things it makes clear, but then he just takes his privates out, pulls his pants down fully, turns to the window and just exposes himself even more mm. not to get too descriptive. And so then we go hands on, we put him, detain him. We're not, I mean, this, he, he needs, he needs help. We're not going to try to take him to jail when he needs help. So we waited for medic. So with that understanding, I'm glad that I was working with people who under of the same mindset. We're not going to try to take him to jail. He needs help, right? So, <laughs> so make a long story short, this is where it gets funny for me. Medic shows up to uh, fire, then it was, as a custom, it's customary. Fire department shows up, then medic. You know, fire department, if they want to assist, he was good. We detained him. We got him on the gurney once the medic got, once medic got there. Took handcuffs off him. He wasn't doing anything egregious even more, I guess, and put his shorts back on him. He then proceeds to try to take his shorts off. One of the, and out of nowhere, the medic said, 
man, if you take that thing, I promise you I'm going to snatch that shit off. <laughs> I was like, okay, time to go. <laughs> did he sober up from that? I think he did because when he said it, the guy who was on the gurney, he immediately straightened up. And I think he, whatever he was talking, like I said, we couldn't understand him. He was still talking, but as soon as that was said, it got everybody's attention. That would get it my would, attention. It would get, yeah, I would think so. It's like, okay, I know I'm on something now, but what you just said to me, I know I'm taking you at your word. You're going to do it. So I'm going to just chill. So he, so they got him the help they need, whatever happened from him. I hope he's okay. But, um, yeah, we that was one of those things that just kind of stuck with me because I'm like, man, did he really just do that? And it's like, yeah, that's just – you just never know, man. I mean, there's things that I'm sure cops have talked about that I did that, like, because, yeah. I mean, time after I would come off or come down or wake up in the hospital or find out what happened, I would my jaw would drop. I'd be like, did I really do that? No way. But then they got more frequent and stuff, and, yeah, it's you know, it's good to know that cops are not just looking to take people to jail right. because jail's not – always the solution it really isn't it, it really isn't and it's it helps talking about the community since it helps when you have you know like fire and medic when they understand those dynamics as well that jail is not just a one size fit all some people legitimately need help and you know there were times yeah i would have to escort people to billingsley and that's how i got familiar with i've been it. escorted there yeah i remember you sharing that with me and that's and that is okay because that's what those resources are there for, for people who you got people who do need to be in jail. You know, if you're doing things that are correct. Shit, yeah. You, you do not need to be doing under violence. Any circumstance. And, yeah. Absolutely. Um, 100, 100%. But then you have those who are just, look, I had a bad day or I really have some a chemical imbalance and being, bringing awareness of that, that those things do exist. And it helps to have those who are of that mindset. Like, you know, handcuffs are not going to do this because you really do need help. And that's fine. How can we do, you know, uh, facilitate that and talking to people's families and having them, you know, Hey, it might be in your best interest is have them take, you know, involuntary commitment papers out. So that way if they don't want to go willingly. They will be escorted, you know, without any problems and they can get the help that they need. And, you know, family members, when we're tell sharing this with them, so many people are unaware of that. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. Yeah, and it's okay to do that. As It's like it's not you showing like a, anything that's un, being unloving to your relative, be it son, daughter, because we would have that as well. Um, parents taking it out on their own children. I know that's devastating. It's hard. But what we would try to encourage them is saying, listen, the things that you are outlining to us about what is going on, it speaks to not criminal activity. They just need they need to get professional help. And this is going to bode for, well for everyone. Like if you have cancer or the flu or COVID, mm -hmm. would you want your family member to go seek a doctor's help? Yeah. So why not have, you know, if exactly. their mind is, you know, not, you know, functioning right. And mm -hmm. mine wasn't for a while. Mm -hmm. Why not go get help? Yeah. Why not? It's, it's okay. It's okay. And there's a lot of ways to get help, you know, there's therapy, there's, mm -hmm. um, you know, brain imaging scan. There's a lot of stuff that can be done to, and then if you don't have any money, Billingsley, you know, yeah. places that, um, are great. Yeah. And I think in this day and age, there are going to be more 
avenues and resources for those to your point you know that's a good point that you bring up that yeah you think about therapy it's like oh that's going to be expensive i don't have insurance and coverage and things like that there are so many resources out there that would just there are people out there who genuinely genuinely want to help and barring insurance coverage or anything else and you know it takes time to find those resources and those um, professionals out there but they are out there because what are we seeing people that we hold to high esteem professional athletes millionaires Pop stars, they're actors, starting to, actresses. I mean, they're, it, they're it's starting everywhere. to advocate mental health. They're big time, big time. Because it's an issue. It's always been an issue. Yeah. But with how our world's going and just technology and, mm-hmm. you know, overpopulation, it's yeah. getting worse. Yeah. And COVID and other things yeah. aren't helping. So, yeah. you know, you have more domestic violence, mm-hmm. violent issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. You know, mental health is huge. It's huge. You got to, one thing I try to do is just self care. You know, when I'm working, I'm I'm okay. I'm going to step away from you know, if I'm working from home, I'm gonna step away from the computer real quick and go for a run or something. Like today was fantastic. It was beautiful wet. day. It was beautiful. Yesterday, eh? Today was better. <laughs> we were moving yesterday too. Oh, that's right. So I mean, oh. it was fine. We were moving stuff in, but it was raining. We were driving, so it all worked yeah. out. But it yeah. was still, it was. Every move that day. I've done, it was it was raining. I don't know why. God has a sense of humor, I guess. But every move that I've done, it was raining. It's like, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but today was great, and I went for a run, and that's just something that, for me, you know, just it clears my head. It just gets me back where I can just be more relaxed, and you got to find – got it takes knowing you and what works, you know. Go Running's for, not for me. Running's not for you. So you got to find your own. You got to find your own, whatever it is. I see gu- guitars in here. That's peaceful. You know, I know some people, they play guitar and that's, that's their therapy. Um, going on walks or, you know, doing artwork, whatever, you know, as long as for me, my thing is, as long as it's not hurting anyone and it's not illegal, <laughs> you do you. Or hurting yourself. Or hurting yourself. Yeah. You, you find what works for you because you do have to channel, channel it and make sure that you're okay. Because if you're not okay, can't you, take can't, care. you can't, you can't you know, give love to anyone else. And I, I kind of bring it back home to, you know, my family where if I'm not okay, I can't be daddy. I can't be the husband that I need to be if I'm not in a good space. You know, I, it's, and it's so easy to, to be so sacrificial, but you have to find that balance. And it's even more, it's more incumbent upon, it's, it's incumbent upon all of us to do it. But when you have those who really depend on you, you really have to be intentional about it. And, for me, I found sleep. I have to get sleep. Like that's something I can't sacrifice. Nah, brother, I'm with you on that. I need my sleep. <laughs> for me, I've had too many experiences where I have gone on little sleep for too long, and I've hit manic, and it's just calls. You know, that's yeah. one thing for me. Like sleep is something that you know when learning and listening to your body, and mm-hmm. when dealing with mental health, um, just sleep and rest for me. Um, and then, you know, running something I'm not going to do. Land loves running. Oh, yeah. He can't run anymore, so he walks 8, 10 miles. Yeah, I remember him telling me that. And, um, you know, you find – I need sleep for different reasons. I'm getting old. so Yeah. <laughs> I need my sleep for that reason. But, yeah, whatever – Whatever it may whatever be. Whatever works, man. Go find, find it. it. Yeah, be intentional about finding what is that. And because everybody has something that they can – that they enjoy doing, right? And it may be something that you don't even realize that you enjoy or that it may, I mean, reading or something, whatever it might be. Um, but it's, there's, that is therapeutic in a sense. Oh, yeah. 
something that I mean, like saying you try different things until you find it at Hopeway in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Candle making. Who would have thought I would have loved it? How about it? See, I love making. I have a kit here and everything. I haven't done it in a while, but mm-hmm. Just pick it back up. You know, it's man. very therapeutical. Yeah, and um, and then the podcast. You know. Mm-hmm some a way that i can just have a conversation with people um about life yeah and allow others to hear it and you know. yeah I, I would say it comes natural to you i mean for for you to say that well this is y'all's first your first podcast you're doing not the episode but At the, the first po- yeah, yeah in the house yeah, in the house but just this is your first like podcast the rabbit hole right the rabbit hole shows the, the rabbit very hole first. Shows, very first right See, and I'm not in the podcast space. I mean, I listen to it, but you guys, you just do it. It just seems like it's just flowing. And that's how you can kind of identify with like, okay, am I, am I, am I, it will house in a sense. Am I doing what, even, even on a larger scale, am I doing what God has purposed me to do? Because it's just, it requires work without effort. It just comes. It, it comes, just happens. It flows. And it's not happening overnight, but the conversations, mm-hmm. getting people tuned in, recording, you know, all that's coming natural because I, you know, have a good story to tell and <laughs> took, made it that way. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's God's, um, you know, I believe what he wanted for my life because I love helping people connecting. So he took me to those places and through all those so I can reach people and, now we just keep recording and mm-hmm. you know keep telling people about it and just see where it goes and because mm-hmm. um, nothing happens overnight. No, you have to work no matter what it is. Yeah, or if it does happen overnight, it's not going to live for long. Right, I believe. Keep pounding, go yeah. Panthers. Exactly. <laughs> well, as we wrap up, is there any um, other advice you know for listeners or things you want to share? Keep subscribing to uh, <laughs> Rabbit Hole. Honestly, every episode I've listened to, you know, I've had takeaways um, and just keep, uh, you know, I guess talking about what we were just discussing, you know, um, finding that place of acceptance and just making, you know, self-care a priority these days. I think it's, um, it's pivotal. So, but now nah, this was great and I appreciate y'all having me as your first guest in the podcast room. Good. That's great. Well, yeah, I'm happy to have you and glad you were able to come and uh, talk about, you know, your uh, life and uh, experiences as a police officer, dad, uh, career changes, nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, uh, you yeah, know, everything. <laughs> police officer, now bank. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate you taking time and coming on here and listening to the podcast and promoting it because um, that's what we're about, just – Helping those who are struggling because we're all struggling. Yes, sir. It's not just you. you no, know? no. Take it. Just take it one day at a time. It's all we can do. You know, yeah. I got that one on the wrist. So, rate my one day life. at a time. Yeah. Um, Marcus, thank you, and we'll have to have you on again. So, oh yeah, for sure, it. man. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Let me know. Thank you. All right. Um. Uh, well, everyone, thank y'all for tuning in to uh this episode of the Rabbit Hole Show with Marcus Polite. Uh, for any comments, topics, uh, anything you want to share, uh, shoot us an email at the rabbit hole show 21 at gmail.com and then go give us a follow on Instagram, um, for content and updates. Uh, it's the rabbit hole show and they're all underscores. Uh, but again, thank you, Marcus and everyone. Thanks again. 
and stay tuned. Alrighty. This is Charles out.